0: Thanks for tuning into the ES First Podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Well, welcome to us yes First. We're glad you're here. Um, we are a Bible-believing church. We believe that the Bible is inspired, that it's holy, that it's from God, and that it has the power to change your life through the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit um, is working inside of you, and that for some reason, when you read the words in the Bible, something ignites inside of you. Um, And so we take that seriously and we preach the books of the Bible. Right now we're in Romans, which is actually a letter. It was written to a group, a church group in Rome um, during one of the most evil times Um, Arguably of of all of history, and uh, this church was thriving and it was growing, even though they were being killed uh, left and right. uh, They were growing, and it's exciting uh, things that God was doing. And Paul, this missionary, this this apostle, uh, wanted to go to Rome, but he could never quite get there. You know what I mean? It's like when you anybody here ever want to be on an Alaskan cruise, and you're like, and then you price it out, and you're like, just not this year. Not gonna happen. Um, Anybody else want to uh, get on a yacht and cruising around the Mediterranean. That's when, uh, uh, Nobody else? Okay, when I get my yacht, don't, don't ask to get on it. Uh, amen. amen. Oh, thank you. Okay, you can come. Um, but uh, it's, like, it's like you, you want to do something, but you never quite get there. That's the way Paul was. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to teach and instruct this church and see them and encourage them, but he can never quite get there. So he writes this letter and uh, he, he starts off, he says, I want to come to Rome to preach the gospel to you. And, and the gospel is really the good news about Jesus. Um, and most of us hear that word gospel. We know that word gospel. Even if we're not Christians, we've heard it before. Um, but, but he, he is he's sending this letter about the gospel to people who are already Christians, It seems kind of backwards, unless there's something so valuable about the gospel that they need to hear it again, they need to be encouraged again by it, that they need to know it in a deeper way. And so that's really what we need to do, even though we're here at church on a day when people can't even go to church, we're here um, fist bumping each other, shaking hands for the brave, whatever is going on. Um, But but we're here to meet with God, and, and I believe that one of the most valuable things that we can do over and over and over again as Christians is learn the gospel. And so, for the first uh, probably about nine chapters, Paul is just preaching the gospel. He's just talking about the goodness of God and salvation, how we are delivered from our old life to our new life. And that's what we need to be looking into again and again and again. And a lot of times in these chapters, he's he's saying the same things over and over and over again in a different way so that they can understand it. How many people need it uh, said again and again and again in different ways so you can understand it? All right. So that's what we're going to do. And we're talking about here in chapter seven, um, some valuable things about religion versus the law of Christ or or the law of love that comes from Christ and his commandments to our life. So here we are in chapter seven. We're going to read it together. If you have your Bibles in Romans chapter seven, you can read along or it'll be on the screens and you can just follow along with us. Here we go. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law. That the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law, through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, By dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We believe that it's effective for our life. Everything that we need and and everything that we need to become is found in this, this word. I pray that you would ignite it inside of us, that you would start fires that burn bright, that burn hot, and that catch flame to people around us. I pray that your word would not return void, that it would do exactly what it is meant to do in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was a kid, I was a, I was a bicycle fanatic. Um, I was a skateboarder, bicycler. Um, you know, I talk, I talk about Johnny, we're basketballs at two, but I could ride a skateboard at two. So that's my thing. I, I, I like adventure. I like extreme sports. I like all that stuff. I wanted a dirt bike for forever, but we didn't have... Land and my dad couldn't afford a dirt bike. So I would just get like Dirt Rider magazine and cat. I would order the catalogs. You don't know what that's like, you that have the internet, okay? We used to have to order catalogs, wait uh, two to four weeks for the catalog to come in, order something, and then wait six to eight weeks for it to be shipped to us. It's crazy, I know, but that's what we did. And so I'd go through and circle all the things that I wanted. I love my bicycle, I love my skateboard, and right down uh, my street was one of my best friends. His name was Danny. Okay, Danny uh, is—he is, uh, was a part of our church, and his parents came to our church, and he, his parents would babysit us. I mean, we we were running the town together all the time, and so. Um, I love to, to ride my bicycle down my street and go and hang out with Danny. And we would go to the park. We would, we would go terrorize little children. We would uh, put M80s in people's uh, gas tanks. I mean, we wouldn't do that. Um, we did all sorts of crazy stuff. Then I mean, one day, um, I was getting ready to ride my bike. I told my dad, I said, Hey, uh, can I go ride my bike? He's like, Yes. And he gives me one instruction. That one instruction was this Don't go get Danny. That was it, it's the only instruction. It wasn't like be home by dinner, be home by dark and other stuff. I had one instruction: don't go get Danny. Okay, and so I rode my bike down the street, took the left, hooked the right, and there's Danny's house. First thing I did, I rode my bike up into Danny's yard, went to his door, knocked on the door, said, "Hey, you want to ride bikes?" He said, sure, he comes out on his bike, me and him, riding bikes around the neighborhood for a few hours, and I had forgotten that my dad gave me one specific command. It was this, don't go get Danny. That was the only one. It's all I had to follow, right? My rebellious heart, my, my sinful nature, my, my rebel without a cause, I like, just had to go get Danny, and so that's what we did. And stupid second, year, second grade uh, Brandon Block Took Danny back to the house. <laughs> All right? Went back to the house. We come in. We get, hey, is there anything to eat? Is there water or whatever? All of a sudden, uh, my dad goes, hi, Danny. And I, I didn't know any of this uh, went on, but um, uh, I had completely forgotten. And dad pulls me aside into the, the side room and says, son, I thought I told you not to go get Danny. And so I came up with the best reason for my logic, that I could. I didn't go get Danny. I just riding my bike, and he was in the yard, and he's like, hey, can I ride bikes with you? And I'm like, yeah. So he he just tagged along like a stray puppy, and me and Danny hung out for two hours. What was I supposed to do? My dad looked at me and said, that's a lie. I said, how do you know that's a lie? He said, because I asked Danny. So, okay. And then my dad did possibly the worst thing he could do. He let me go back to play. All right, He sent Danny home, and he let me go back to play, and he didn't mention it again. Didn't mention it again. And soon, Sunday came over. Now, Sunday, we had two services, a Sunday morning, Sunday night. And Everybody would come over to our house after Sunday night church, and we would have pizza and a good time, and, and uh, a, a few core people of the church, like the deacons and stuff. And I had some friends, and we would hang out. and then, uh, So it was a really eventful time, and everyone's over at the house. It's exciting. My dad's telling stories, and usually I'm like sitting on the carpet listening to stories or hanging out with my other friends, Allison, April, whoever. And, uh, and pretty soon they, they start to leave, and I said to my dad, even though there's still people in the house and said, you know, I'm getting a little tired. I think I'm going to go to bed. And I said, okay, well, we'll see you in the morning. And so I went up and went to bed like a good kid. And I was there sleeping in my bed, nice and tired. And my mom comes up and she says, Brandon, dad wanted me to come up and uh, see if you wanted a cookie like, what is it, Stepford Wives? I mean, you're some kind of crazy lunatic here. Like, I'm trying to go to sleep. And uh, I'm like, I I, I don't want a cookie. I just want to sleep. I'm second grade. And uh, she says, okay, dad just wanted me to check on you. And then pretty soon, dad comes in my room. Dad comes in my room, says, son, remember the other day when I told you don't go get Danny? I said, yes, yes, I do. He says, you did that, didn't you? You disobeyed me. I said, yeah, I disobeyed you. And he said, and then you lied about it. Yeah, I lied about it. It's okay. Stand up, pull your pants down, put your hands on the bed. This is kind of PG-13, maybe even R level for most people now. And I had to put my hands on the bed, and he pulled off his belt. And he smacked the snot out of my butt, probably so light, I probably don't even remember. But to me, it felt like Armageddon was breaking down, hellfire and brimstone from heaven was coming down. And he spanked me as hard as he could. And then he had the gall to look at me and said, now, son, give me a hug. Why would I want to hug you? You just beat the snot out of me. He said, I love you. We don't do that. Don't lie to me. And don't disobey me. And I went to bed. And that may have been the last spanking I ever got. May have been the last spanking I ever needed, right, Dad? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Hmm. I don't know about that. But here's the deal. I was given one command. Don't go get Danny. And I went and did it anyway. The punishment followed because I had the command, and I disobeyed it. Now, if my dad would have ever said, don't go get Danny, what would have happened? Nothing. I would have gone and got Danny. It didn't matter. There was no rule to follow, and so there was no rebellion in my heart that wanted me to just go and do whatever. To rebel against the rule. And anybody like, like when there's a sign that says, don't do this, you just have to do it? Anybody like that, other than Allison? Okay, I see you, right? If there's a guideline, like, like if they're like, don't operate heavy machinery while on this medicine, you're like, I'm, I'm fine, I can do it. You know what I mean? Like you, you're just a rebel without a cause. You, can, you got it going. It's like, that's what's inside of us because we're human, because we're sinners. And when there is a rule, either something rises up inside of us or it exposes that thing that's inside of us and then we break it. Now, in the Bible, there's two different covenants. It's, it's the, way, the covenant is the way that God operates with his people. There's the old covenant, known as the law, and then there's the new covenant. Okay, uh, The Bible is divided into Old and New Testament, and a lot of the Old and New Covenant is separated by that. Not exactly right on the line, but it is divided by the Old Testament, Old Covenant, New, new Testament, New Covenant. How God interacted with his people. The old covenant was this, that we have these laws, and if you keep these laws, then you'll be righteous before God. If you don't keep these laws, then you'll be evil before God. And because of that, then you'll have to pay the penalty for your sin, or you can sacrifice a goat or a, or, or a sheep, and then your sins will be covered for a year. And then you still have to follow these rules. So my wife and I were in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a heavily populated Jewish, Jewish uh, community or city. And so, like, on Saturday, we're walking around, and uh, Orthodox Jews are out walking around. Families are walking down the street, walking to church because they can't drive. They have to walk. They can't do any work on the Sabbath, okay? And so that's what they, that's what they do because they want to honor God by following his rules. The first part of these rules are the Ten Commandments, all right? Moses brought them down. We all know the Ten Commandments. And... Um, We may not know all the Ten Commandments. We know of the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt love the Lord your God. There's no other gods before me. It just goes down. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't kill, right? Honor your father and your mother. Somebody say amen. Okay, all these are on there, the first ten. And then most people don't know that after these ten come another bunch of commandments. And altogether we have 613 commandments. This is where you get uh, don't. Do any work on the Sabbath. Don't cut the, the, the hair on your temples. So if you see Orthodox Jews, they have like these curly Q uh, things right here. Uh, they, they wear hats when they pray. Amen. I still wear a hat when I pray. Glory to God because it's biblical. Um, but there's all these rules like don't eat, don't eat meat with blood in it. Don't eat shellfish. Don't eat cheese and meat together. Dairy and meat together. So all you cheeseburger people, Sinners, okay, right from the get-go, from the 613 laws. Okay, this is known as the Mosaic Law because it's from Moses. And so what Paul is talking about now, he's got all of these Christians, people who are following Jesus, but they're also Jewish, right? And then you have all these people who are not Jewish, who don't know anything about the laws, and all the Jewish people are saying, hey, you need to follow our our laws. You're eating a cheeseburger. That's sin. You're going to die. You're going to have to pay for that, and and they're, they're trying to figure out how to follow these laws and to follow Jesus at the same time. So Paul, right here in chapter 7, is going to talk about this relationship with God from the get-go. And he starts off, and he says, here's the deal. He says this. I am speaking to those that know the law, these 613 laws, that the law has authority over someone as long as the person lives. And then he uses this illustration. He talks about marriage. Now, a lot of people over the years have looked at this and tried to figure out if they're committing adultery or whatever because they're divorced or or somebody left them or whatever and they got remarried. That's not what he's discussing right here. He's discussing their custom. Right, you like when an illustration to somebody who lives in the south, and you and you start to talk about how things were during this, the civil rights movement in the south. Right? he's talking about the laws of that time, so he can illustrate something, and so they can understand. Okay, that's what he's doing here. So he says, here, "Here's the deal about marriage. If you're married to one, you can't remarry until that person is dead. If." that person is not dead and you move on to a new relationship, you're still not free and clear. You're not in right standing. It has to be dead for you to be part of the new relationship. Okay, And he tells us, he says, at the end, he says, "Um, my brothers and sisters, I'm telling you this so that you can understand this relationship with Jesus. The relationship with Jesus is new. It's the new covenant. Okay, It's the way that God is going to interact with people from now on. The old covenant was God's rules, not because the law was evil, but what it did, just like that one command, don't go get Danny, it exposed who I was. So when I see, don't cheat, don't lie, Don't kill. When I start to see these laws, all of a sudden I go, oh no, I've already done that. And it exposes who I am. It creates a command so that we have disobedience. That's it. That's it. It won't save you. Following the Ten Commandments won't make you right before God. You can't get to heaven and God goes, hello, Brandon, good to see you. Uh, would you like to come into heaven? I said, yes, sir, I would. And he says, what have you done? It's like, well, I haven't broken one of the Ten Commandments. He said, too bad. That's not the way I'm dealing with you anymore. That was just to show you how bad of a person you really are. That's it. That's it. Because after he gives the law, he says, now that you see how bad you are, I need you to sacrifice something to pay the penalty for your sin. This is what happens. Okay, The Old Testament versus the New Testament. And here's the thing. God wants to interact with his people, so he provides a way for them to be able to interact with him. That's what he does. Old covenant, new covenant. So, he says, now, if you're going to have this new relationship, like the new marriage, the old thing has to die. Right, And I've heard all my life people preach and talk about how we have to follow the Ten Commandments so that God will interact with us. We need to follow all the old laws so that we can be in right standing or holy with God. And what I found out as I began to learn to read and want to read and read the Bible is that Jesus interacts with us with a completely different set of rules. It's the new covenant. He says this. He says, I'm going to give you a gift of righteousness, which we talked about last time. I'm going to give you what you need to connect with me. All you have to do is receive it. So then what do I do to, to connect with you, God? Do I go back here and not eat shellfish? Do I go back here and not, not work on Saturday? Do I go back here and, 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 and try to figure out all the perfect laws to follow? He says, no. As a matter of fact, if you don't get rid of that, if you don't just kill that whole process of thinking, then you can't marry me. You can't be connected to me. You'll miss out on the best parts of our life together. That's what he's talking about in this passage. And this is what he says. He says, "Through the body of Christ, he says, You have also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. In other words, if you don't kill that thing, you'll never bear the fruit that you need to. You'll never grow and flourish and prosper in your heart, soul, mind, body if you don't receive this thing and kill that thing. Now, this is, this is the whole process. Some people say, well, well, did God just change his mind? He wanted you know, blood sacrifice over here and he wanted rules over here and now he's just like, you know what? Screw it. It's not working out. I'm just going to have Jesus. Right? Everybody would go, that's not fair. I followed all these rules and these guys are following none of the rules. I did all these things to get to you and these people don't have to do anything. He said, no, hold on. Let me explain this to you. I didn't change my mind. As a matter of fact, I fulfilled what needed to be fulfilled in Jesus. Now, The Bible says that Jesus came, and in Galatians it says this, uh, real quick. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He followed the law, right? And Romans tells us that nobody is righteous, that nobody uh, fulfills any part of the law, nobody's perfect, right? We say that all the time, but I don't think we truly get that nobody really is perfect, Right, Because you think you are sometimes, right, Jeff? Uh, so Jesus is born under the law, and he has all these rules, but he fulfills all of them. He is perfect. He's sinless. Okay, And so Ezekiel says this. Ezekiel says, the one who sins is the one who will die. That's encouraging, right? Praise the Lord, brother. The child will not share the guilt of the parent. Right. So that was a that was a custom back then. It was like um, if your parents were bad people, then it was your your children were cursed and your children were. And we, we sometimes still think that today. OK. But it's not true. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. Hallelujah. Uh, the righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. So that means that you're in charge of your own account, right? If you're righteous, you keep all 613 rules, or you sacrifice to cover them, then you're good. And for those that don't, let's say, anybody got a kid who can't make it to school and doesn't turn their homework? Let's say they missed the sacrifice day. Oh, I meant to go, sacrifice. Uh huh. You're like, sorry, you're dead, <laughs> right? You missed the day. But if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees, that's pretty big, and does what is just and right, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the offenses they have committed will be remembered against them because of the righteous things they have done. They will live. Do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord? Rather not, I am pleased when they turn from their ways and live. Is that the end? I think I got one more. But if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things the wicked uh, person does, will they live? None of the righteous things that a person has done will be remembered because of the unfaithfulness they are guilty of and because of the sins they have committed, they will die. This is the way the law worked in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. Okay? So. The question is, did God change his mind? Did he just go, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore? No, but God says something, he means it, doesn't he? We know that. So what happens is, is he sends Jesus to be perfect, to be the payment for our sin. And so, imagine, imagine this, you're a, a young person who wants to live their life the way they want to live it. And uh, you go out and you're driving 100 miles an hour, drunk down the road in a 45 degree, or 45 degree, 45 speed limit, right? 100 miles an hour, drunk, open container, you name it, right? And the cops pull you over, and they don't even waste any time. They just take you right before a judge. And you remember that your dad is the judge, okay? And you think this, my dad loves me? My dad is just and fair. He never does anything wrong. My dad is a good judge. And you go stand before the judge, and they they list off what's going to happen. They say, you have this fine, it's this much, and it's astronomical. Or you can spend this amount of many days in jail. And you're like, none of those sound good. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't want either of those things. How do you plead to these charges? Did you do them? And you say, I am Guilty. Guilty. Hoping that the good judge will say, It's no problem. I love you. I know that you meant for well. You meant good. Actually, the judge takes the gavel, hammers it down, and says, Guilty as charged. Take him away. And you're thinking in the back of your head, I thought that was my dad and he was going to help me out. I thought he was good. But the problem is he is good and he's just and he has, to, he has to rule on the side of righteousness. Otherwise, he's not good. Otherwise, he's not good. And so the judge says, hold on, bailiff, Bring him back. Bring him back a second. And, and, and he's thinking, oh, good. He's, he's going to say, just kidding. Just kidding. Everything is fine. Actually, what happens is, is the judge steps from behind his desk takes off his robe, stands there with you, and says, I'll pay it. I'll take care of it. Was it a problem? Yes, it was a problem. Is it killing you? Yes. Are you guilty? Yes. Does it just go away? No. Somebody has to pay it. And your father, the good and righteous judge, has paid it for you. How did he pay it? He sent Jesus, born under the law. He knew that the righteous had to pay, that all sinners must die. But he says, I want to come and give you life. So when Jesus is walking the earth and he says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, what he's saying is that I'm going to pay for your death and bring you to life. And not only am I going to give you life there, I'm going to give you life overflowing here more than you ever imagined, because that's the kind of father that we have. That's what he wants. And so when he says this, he's like, it's like a marriage. And here's the deal. We got the old covenant and the new covenant. But most of y'all are trying to keep the old covenant. I don't think you want to do that. And hopefully with that illustration, you begin to see the danger in walking back and forth when God has already paid the price. Jesus wants to give you his life, his gift. And you're going back and forth like a person who has a new husband, but wants to go back to the old husband. You're living in adultery. And this is what he's trying to get across to us. He says, actually, when you begin to belong to Christ, belong to Christ, in order that you might bear fruit for God. He says, for when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions, they were aroused by the law. Don't do that. I for some reason, I want to do that now. Don't do this. I, I mean, come on. These rules are too much. I was in Israel, and, and I was hanging out with Jews, and you have Orthodox Jews who are like, you know, the hat, the, the thing, and you have, you have regular Jews. And some of them were practicing Jews. Some of them were just like Jews by blood but not by religion. And uh, I asked him, he says, I, I said, so do you practice? Tomorrow we're going to tour, and it's Saturday, and it's your Sabbath. He says, yes, I practice Sabbath uh, but I kind of make up my my own way, and it's funny we look at them, oh you're bad Jew, but Christians do the same thing, <laughs> right? He's like he says you know I like cheeseburgers, and you can't eat those two things together if you're completely you know Orthodox Jew. He says as a matter of fact that rule, and he knew the exact year that rule wasn't even part of the old rule. It was something that was made up by somebody up in a building over there a thousand years ago. And because he felt that that's what we should do, now we're stuck with it. And if we don't do it, we die. Sounds like a terrible way to live your life. Jesus thought so. And so he came and died. And so here's the real question why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? A lot of times we're like, oh, you know, he was he was just a a peaceful hippie Jesus. Peace, brother. We're just going to do our thing and love God. No, he came with a purpose. He came with a purpose and that purpose was to die. It was to be a payment for your sin so that you could walk in new life. And the purpose was so that you could bear fruit. So. Jesus is walking the earth, and and, and the the rabbis, the the Pharisees, they get get kind of word of this, and they're always trying to trip Jesus up. And so the first thing they do is their whole life, their whole religion is, is based on these laws, and they come and find Jesus, and they're like, I know what we'll do to trick him. We'll ask him which ones is the most important. And so they say, which one of the law, the Mosaic law, is the most important? 613, don't choose badly. And Jesus says, well, here's the deal. It's this one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul with all your strength. And love your neighbor just like you love yourself. And then he says these words. All the law and all the prophets, that's all of their whole entire religion. They have worked and worked and worked, written down letter after letter, every single day, praying, 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 doing their thing. He says, all of your religion is, it just hangs on those two things. If you do those two things, everything else will work out. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind. And love your neighbor just like you do yourself. And the funny thing is, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the original ten, the first one is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Don't make any graven images. And it begins to talk about loving God. And then you get down there and it says, don't don't lie to each other. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't covet and want other people's stuff and their life and jealousy that comes from that. And, And if you look at the Ten Commandments, it's like they all fall into those two categories with exception of, the remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Nine of the ten. And if we look at the New Testament, we're going to see those ten commandments played out in all different kinds of ways. Paul is going to give us instruction. Peter's going to give us instruction. John's going to give us instruction. And he says this, it is the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love God. And love everybody else. What's the standard for loving everybody else? Like you love yourself. In other words, instead of going and and loving your tushy so much, you buy all the toilet paper on the rack. You buy all the toilet paper on the rack and just go around like the the ice cream man giving it away. Whose booty needs toilet paper? Like you love yourself. When your spouse acts a certain way, You love them like you love yourself. When your kids act a certain way, you love them like you love yourself. When your boss acts a certain way, love them like you love yourself. Hey, why don't you go take three smoke breaks in the next hour? (laughs) That's either hurt really bad or nobody got that. But. (laughs) Loving others is the way you love yourself. And so what Jesus wants to give us is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. And so he puts it inside of us. He sees the disciples. He breathes into them and says, (laughs) receive the Holy Spirit when they're saved. He says, go into Jerusalem and and wait for the Holy Spirit and you'll you'll have power from on high and and your life will change and you'll, you'll be my witnesses and you'll want to do all these things. And it's like, you'll live a full expression of life. You'll bear the fruit that's beyond the old thing if you'll follow after me in these two things. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is hanging out with his disciples before he dies, he says, Obey my commandments, obey my commandments, obey my commandments. And then he just breaks it to them, and he says this, I give you one command. And I bet they're all like, oh good, just one to follow, 613, and now just one. What's the one thing to do? Jesus, and he says, just let love rule over your life. And religious people hate that. They would rather go, oh, you sinner, you coveted. Oh, you sinner, you lied. Oh, like so my dad did to me. He's like, you lied and then he beat the crap out of me. Just kidding. He was teaching me the law of love. That if I had to love my dad like I love myself, I wouldn't have gone to get Danny. I would have obeyed him because he's my father. That I wouldn't cheat on my spouse because I loved my spouse. That I would raise my kids and I would discipline them in the way of love because I love them like I love myself. That I would read the word and I would witness and reach out to people, not because the Bible told me to, but because I love those people so much. Everywhere I go, I would love and it would rule my life in righteousness because it's the love of God not the love of the flesh. Jesus died, gave his life, so that you could do that. Help me out, Ryan. I could go on and on. I got all sorts of stuff to tell you. But I got more chapters of Romans, so. Might have to have an underground church next week if they shut down the whole entire planet. But... If you really love Jesus, you'd be here. Hmm. What are you holding on to? Some kind of system of back and forth? What are you? We all are. Right? Rather than just walking in what God wants us to, letting Him teach us with the Holy Spirit, letting us see the truth in the Word and going, yeah, that. You know, one time I, I stood in this pulpit and I said, you know, I, got, I have uh, high standards for a wife. I said, I can't tell you what they are. I never told anybody, but I'll tell you today. I haven't even told Erica. High standards. And people say, well, what is it? You know, this whole this thing. It's one standard. One standard. This is it. Will she be the type of person who submits herself to Jesus? Every day. All the time, right? We got ups and downs. All of us do. But a person who submits themselves to Jesus is a person who's growing in the law of love, who's growing in who Jesus wants them to be, is becoming day by day, minute by minute, every single day, more like Jesus. Is that you? Is that you? Are you that person? Are you holding on to the dead? There's a young boy named Billy who loved his cat. One day, Billy's cat got ran over. His, his grandma was there, and she took care of the cat and, and uh, buried it. It was dead. Billy came home, and after a few days of, of just regular life, he's like, Where's the cat? Where's the cat, Grandma? And she didn't want to break it to him. She was afraid to say, you know, I'm sorry, the cat is dead. But she's like, you know what? I got to tell him. Billy, your cat got hit by a car and died. And to soften the blow, she goes, but he's in heaven now with God. Didn't that feel good? Yeah, it felt so good to Grandma. And Billy, in all of his wisdom, says, What does God want with a dead cat? Jesus died and rose to life so that you could live a fruitful life in him, life and life overflowing. And you're going back to a dead cat over and over and over again. You're lining yourself up with something that is completely dead. So the question is, what do you want? With an old, dead law. When God wants you to live in the fullness that he has for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This is the gospel. It is Jesus, full of life, in you. So because Jesus is full of life, I'm full of life. You've been trying to figure out all these rules and regulations like, I'm a sinner, I keep messing up. I keep doing the wrong thing. That's what the law is meant to show you. So that you can trust in Jesus completely. And now you get to say, I am righteous. I am strong. I do have the willpower. I am able. I am holy. Because I belong to another. I belong to Jesus Christ. And he's my strength. He's my portion. He is enough. And I'll become everything God always intended me to be. I'll overflow with fruit. Because the spirit is alive in me. That's what God wants for you. So today I want to pray for you. and pray for all of us. Because I believe every Christian needs to live the gospel in a greater way. So just lift your hands to heaven in some sort of way. Open your hands. Whatever. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in us. Let the law of love, the perfect law of Jesus Christ become alive in us. Forgive us for for resurrecting a dead thing. We, We know we're not enough. You told us we're not enough. You just said to trust you. And today we trust you, God, with everything inside of us. We offer again our lives to you. Forgive us of our sin and help us to follow after you in greater measure. In Jesus' name, Amen. Give God a big praise today.